Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm Daniel Chadbourne, and joining me today is my co-host, Thomas Brooks. Hello. And our special guest, uh, first of, I hope, many, uh, Natalia Assis. Yes. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Thomas. And so today, uh, we've, we've all been tasked, we've, we've tasked to do a lot more research than we normally do. Um, which is just like most classes I walk into, um, usually tasked to do a lot more research for than I normally do. Uh, and uh, today we're going to be getting into social perception. So uh, we're going to be talking about how the social environment um, influences how we perceive others and how we perceive our social environment in a number of ways, building upon what we've already talked about with social cognition, aspects of the self, and attitudes. And so uh, one of the big things, uh, we're going to kind of introduce a little bit uh, what we're going to be covering, uh, but we're also going to be getting into uh, kind of our topic of social perception. And instead of going into a lot of what the book does, uh, we're going to be focusing predominantly on hair and hairstyles and how uh, a number of personal attributes that have little to nothing to do about maybe who you are as a person uh, influence how others might view you. Very cool. So when it comes to social perception, what do you think is the most prominent effect, or I guess the one thing that people rely on most when it comes to our social perception? I didn't research for this. Because <laughs> I feel like under the like, what do people uh, rely on most when it comes to social perception? Like my initial okay. instinct is to go with things like threat. Okay, so I thought that you would um, be asking about what are the characteristics that will enact. Yeah, like to perceive someone as threatening. Right. So, like for example, beard. Yeah. So beard. We'll talk about beards. Right. Um, Heightened like, aggression. Well, obviously, obviously racism, right? That, mm -hmm. that has to be there because that's what we've been talking about all this time, right? Mm -hmm. Just by being black, people are perceived as more dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, lately, it has been shown mm -hmm. more and more, right? Kind of that stereotype of grabbing your purse when you're in a elevator uh, right, with a black man. Right, correct. Yeah. That type of stuff. And that's interesting because there's a lot of people, I've been talking a lot about this um, with my brother and my sister, for example, like there's a lot of people that they really consider themselves like super open-minded and all like accepting and, and not even racist. I'm not even talking about like racism itself, you know, but just the knowledge. Like, mm. so they think that they just know a bunch of things, but then they will say like, you know, genetically speaking though, I don't know why people are racist. Like I've heard this. I don't know why people are racist because um, genetically speaking, uh, y'all black are so much better anyways. You know? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> we don't want to go that, no, that way or the other way either. You right. know, like we just, we're cool here. Like mm -hmm. let's stay everybody here in the same lane. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I find that interesting how some people will uh, think that they just um, really open, but mm -hmm. sometimes they they still hold on to some of the like knee-jerk social perceptions and yeah, schemas, like holding your purse or this mm -hmm. other one, you know, stuff like this. So yeah, and, that, and that's that's what we actually talked about last time. We were talking about implicit and explicit attitudes. Uh, we we kind of touched on schemas, which stereotypes are a type of schema. 
And so all of these, these concepts kind of tie in the same way that if you, you don't have to explicitly condone uh, a, a racist act, but if you're in a culture that is showing, um, you know, more, more types of people as villainous or criminal uh, on television or in movies or in video games or whatever it may be that, that can subtly influence you to, you know, I'm not racist, but there's, there's these things going on, or I feel this way around this, this person. That is very interesting. Yes, which brings me to this um, post on Instagram that I saw the other day in Brazil about Brazilians, right? Because this, this um, perception of Black people or the movement, right, has spreaded all around the world, right? It's not just here. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, even the hair movement about it's being everywhere. Like, it's so strong back home too in Brazil, right? By the way, I'm from Brazil. <laughs> yes. I was about to say, we I'm... probably should hear a little bit about you really quick. Right, that is very true, yes. Yeah, us. why don't we, instead of, like, can we take a pause real quick and have Natalia? Yeah, we'll, we'll rewind. And yeah. Um, yeah, we let you introduce yourself. Right. <laughs> what do you do? Where are you from? <gasps> yes, yes. So my name is Natalia Cis and I am um, from Brazil. I am studying my PhD in educational psychology and I like positive psychology as uh, my research uh, themes. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them, yes. Most of all. <laughs> that, is, that is mostly what I like to do, yes. Um, that's it, right? No, I mean, unless you oh, want to tell us kind of like what you do. Yeah, okay, so like I, um, yeah, I'm just going to tell you my bio bio. Yeah, tell us the bio right? bio. <laughs> the, so, more, the more people know about you, the less they will socially perceive you using their own biases. Yes, yeah. that's awesome. Yes, that's great. Mm -hmm. That is a um, phrase of, um, how does you do call um on, on stand up, they have that the joke that they always bring back. Oh, there is a name for it. The reoccurring joke. Yeah, but there is a the name. running gag. The running gag. Yes, yes, yes. like this. Yes, <laughs> that's a effect phrase. You know, positive thing we say at home. Yes. Uh, anyway, so I I came to America 13 years ago, and I came to do my undergrad. I used to play volleyball. I got scholarships. I got recruited. Came play volleyball. And for, that was my life. I didn't know anything outside of sports. You know, it's so interesting because I see those things about groups and perceptions and all those things. You know, I was like, you know, those athletes that you see walking around and it's just like this group mm -hmm. of people that you already know. Every time you look at them, you know these people are in the team right. or something. Right. You know what I mean? I found that um, identity I didn't perceive it like this until I wasn't anymore an athlete, you know? And I talk about this because, like, for example, the stereotype, there's stereotypes on American movies, you know, like in schools. I always think about this, like, you know, they're outside and then you have the grass and then you have the specific different groups that are sitting out there mm -hmm. and socializing by themselves, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I was that one with the athletes and then I wasn't anymore. And this actually made a difference mm -hmm. you know it's so interesting even like professors and stuff like this you know some of them they will like give students like more like um slack mm -hmm. some of them you know it depends also in what the school is and you know but for example even because they have to travel mm -hmm. right right yeah 
anyways, uh, that was uh, too far away. But <laughs> I was an, an athlete and then I did my uh, physical education degree. And I like to talk about this because I love how mixed up I'm all over the place because I did my PE, then I did my MBA, and then uh, now the PhD in ed educational psychology. So I really, I feel like I learned about the mass, the body, you know, mm -hmm. and then the systems and then the mind. That's how I connect those three things. Right, yeah. Yes. Pretty cool. Yes, but, and that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a true Renaissance woman. So it's the, the kind of like Renaissance man, Renaissance woman, a very well-rounded, eclectic, yeah. uh, you know, body of knowledge. I love it. I, I mean, 13, well, 11 years in school. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's, Same. <laughs> That's, what, I, yes. That's what we do. We That's never leave. I talk it's about the, it's the life. Because, like, most of my friends at home, they're not like doing post undergrad, right? Mm -hmm. So, I said, you, I mean, remember how much you learned in school? Like, in, when you did your undergrad, remember, like, that, how much change there was in your mind? So, multiply that by three, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because we did it three times and it's just like, woo. <laughs> So all this knowledge that we gained mm -hmm. throughout these years. Yes, pretty cool. I love it. So where where did we leave off? <laughs> I don't remember. Social perception. Social perception. Right. So then you Ooh. I mean yeah, we so talked I, a little bit about like an, analyzing yeah, like looking at threat. Um then we kind of right. shifted over into racism. Yes, that also and then I'll continue with the threat then. Yeah. Um I think one of the things, and this is kind of, this is actually like not to give them too much attention, but this is something in like, you find a lot in uh, the involuntary celibate boards, mm -hmm. is that they're constantly, not constantly talking about, but this gets floated a lot, that they hate that men are perceived as so violent or threatening, like when you're a stranger to a woman. Right that women react like you're an automatic threat right um i think yeah. this is something that a previous uh when we talked about contrapoints that was something that she had noted was that when before she transitioned like she was very conscious of the fact of the way that she made strangers uh women feel on the street when they were like alone on the street or alone oh, in a room wow, together right. she noticed that and contrast, then when she switched right? to being female like having female presenting um right. that that went away that is so interesting i can see that because then they could see both sides in the mm -hmm. contrast i remember what i was gonna say um i was i saw this this um uh, post about stereotypes of black women mm -hmm. uh, in Brazil on the media. That's mm. why, because then you said something about media, yes, and then yeah. I saw it, it's like usually no, no, no exceptions, okay? Very rarely it gets out of this. So it's the maid, <laughs> the sexual one, uh -huh. the, 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 the aggressive, bigger, uh -huh. funny, loud one, um, and then the best friend, of the white girl right that always helps her mm -hmm. that does everything for her serves her basically and um the so yes that's it i think but, well those are the ones that i can remember but that you you get what i'm saying it's usually those very specific roles that mm -hmm. uh, the representativity mm -hmm. uh -huh, that i have seen for example about that those social perceptions that we're talking mm -hmm. about yeah, and, and those media roles essentially shape our social perception, shape 
our stereotypes about those groups. And so, I mean, the same thing too, that, that, you know, if you have a villain in a movie, you know, going back to the, the involuntary celibate boards and, and things like that, that you, if you have a villain in the movie, they're usually male. Yeah. Um, that's true. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of other qualities that go along with it. They're usually disfigured or ugly in some way. Um, yeah. And right. something is wrong, right? A scar or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, it, it kind of plays into yeah. the, um, it's called the, the what is beautiful is good stereotype. That yeah. so beauty equates goodness and, and positive right. qualities. Did this like the halo effect? Who studied this? Was it this you? The halo effect? Halo. Well, I was going to save it, but we'll talk about the halo effect because that's our bias of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We so that, out the bias of the yes, podcast. Got it early. Uh, Wells, 1907, Thorndike. It goes, it goes back, um, but it's, it's a tendency for uh, a person's positive or negative traits to spill over from one personality area to another uh, in others' perceptions of them. It's also called good-looking people bias. But uh, yeah, it's, it's heavily tied to this idea that we, we focus on one trait, we make associations about that one trait, and that bleeds over into others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's so interesting because, yeah. That's kind of something that I noticed, like you were talking about with the black women media representations and villains, like that's kind of what the gay men community deal with a lot is that it's often portrayed as the gay best friend right. or the super villain who's really campy. Yeah. Those are usually the two uh, pigeonholes you get. So you're either the gay best friend who right. helps the white, the straight white girl right. like deal with her life, or you're the drag queen. Right. Oh yeah, the slave. The slave is the another one. Yeah. Of the the black woman, that was the one that I was missing because mm -hmm. yes, duh, of course, it's always there, right? But there is not like that one is like historically. Mm -hmm. Um, limited for you right. <laughs> right? so. yeah, and it's even in how it's framed I was was looking at an article I think it was yesterday uh, they're talking about how because of some recent event uh, Black Lives Matter protests in Portland or Seattle had had you know exploded again on the streets and the comments in this particular article were things like no They've been going strong for the last nearly 60 days. They have right. not just recently re-exploded. They have been consistently oh, wow. yeah. exploding. Yeah, just, you're re-paying right. attention to it. Right. right. It's, it's just that you've, you've decided to ignore it to talk about other things. But right. that, again, creates the social perception that this is maybe a flash-in-the-pan thing, that this is similar to maybe some other short-lived protests um, but also, what is exposed? Even even your social perception of whether you view the protests as predominantly peaceful or violent right. is determined right. drastically by what media you're consuming. Right. This right. kind of came up too, talking about black women. They were uh, reference. I was looking at some comparison headlines because we've had a lot of primaries lately, uh -huh. and so a lot of members of the Democrat squad have been. Uh, winning their primaries mm -hmm. but the, a lot of the media headlines have been they've been surviving mm -hmm. but they're right. winning by like thousands of points they're hanging in there <laughs> despite the fact that they've got like over 50 percent of the vote omar won her hers i think yesterday and it was that uh it was like this embattled race she won by like 10 plus points yeah like 60 40 like that a, a landslide yeah <laughs> So that social perception kind of goes into the fact that maybe these 
congresswomen are just a phase and that right. they're going to pass and they're kind right. of projecting that in their writing. And, and again, part of it, I mean, it, this can be very explicit. This can be an explicit decision made by a news station or made by a reporter. Um, but when we get into things like social perception, some of this might not even be. It may be just the way that they're perceiving it or mm -hmm. they're wording it, the words that they decide to use, which gets kind of almost muddies the water on on how intentional some of this stuff is or how intentional certain aspects of the news coverage. I mean, we just know that they're, they're not going to be broadcasting the peaceful protest as much as any uh, aggressive or, or, you know, criminal activity that's happening because mm -hmm. the peaceful protest doesn't sell. It's not wow. exciting. It's, it's not getting people to cling to their television or click. And I mean, are you going to click on an article that says that AOC is struggling to win her primary because right. you're concerned about yeah, her? Correct. Or are you going to click on it if like, oh, she won handedly. Like, yes. the headline you're is like, all you need. You're like, yeah, I knew it. So, yeah. It <laughs> keeps so scrolling. Yes. But if she's struggling, you got to go, why? Right. Yes, that's the, the reason of the, um, how do you call it, dramatic um, headlines. Mm -hmm. Right? Dramatic headlines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. So, social perception in a large view. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will, I guess I'll give a example of kind of a more minute view. Um, so I was interested in looking at, uh, zero acquaintance judgments, which is basically the idea of what kind of, you know, social perceptions you have, um, first viewing someone, um, without any knowledge of them whatsoever. Um, because knowledge of someone can alter that social perception quite a bit. And, and, and those so would, those first impressions take about what like it's like five hundred milliseconds. Yes. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Like, so, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. right, good point. And so I was really curious because there's a lot of research done on like how people feel about getting uh, salacious or nude pictures on dating apps. Right. Um, just in general, and kind of like how you feel about people who send those kinds of pictures. But I was more interested in is what are those subtle zero acquaintance biases that you're making about that person just based on what the visual information you're getting, not necessarily the context. And so I had participants look at 48 pictures of genitals in a row, um, both vulvas and uh, penises of dif differing lengths, girths, different levels of labia, different sizes of clitorises, different levels of pubic hair. And I found that generally the more quote-unquote normal, so average, is usually perceived as best. Um, but for like something like labias, for example, I looked at like no labia visualization versus some versus a whole lot. And the sum is actually preferred and people ascribe like more agreeableness and uh, conscientiousness and more attractive to some rather than none. Um, but like for something like when you control for like the amount of clitoris that's visible, um, if there's a whole lot of clitoris visible, you start getting things like outgoing right. and high sex drive and uh, assertive and more dominant and stuff like that, as opposed to very little visibility. Um, 
penis length, of course, um, the longer the penis, the more sexually active and pleasurable and right. sex-centric. But if you have a normal or average size, then it was seen more as agreeable, more attractive, stuff like that. So hitting that me that middle ground right there right. Um, was more ideal. But you started getting like really interesting swings the further out you got from what was perceived as prototypical. Right. Um, and I didn't have exact measurements for these penises, um, so, but they were aesthetically very similar in the pictures. Mm -hmm. But just for listeners at home, average is five and a half inches. So what, take that with what you will. It's not seven inches. It's not six inches. It's five and a half. Yeah, again, social perception of and, and stereotyping about what a lot of things are heavily influenced by the media that you watch. The media. Very few people have above seven inches. Yes. So yeah, and, and so basically how this how does this apply to everything that we're uh we've been talking about and we will be talking about for the rest of this episode is is that this is something that has nothing to do with your personality it has nothing to do with really any other trait besides that um you know if, if we're talking about hair you know what your hairstyle is if you have a beard if your hair is long or short but we attribute so many things to it mm -hmm. because of those associations yes so i guess i will kick that off yeah. We have the surprisingly the least amount of research right now. Um, I was interested. Do it. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, yeah, when it comes to, I, I think we're all kind of in that boat, is that we went into this thinking there'd be a whole lot more done on it. Uh, they're, they're, mine kind of went in a different direction, too. Like, I, I found a lot of research, but it wasn't always what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Since I'm a dude with long hair, you can't tell because this is a podcast, it's, it's gotten quite uh, luscious. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was interested in kind of what are the social perceptions around long hair, and I kind of figured there would be a lot of research on it, especially from like the 60s and the 70s from like the hippie movement. I figured they would be really interested in that. Yeah. But I found very little actual research done on long hair. I would, I would think that, yeah. On dude specifically. Okay. Yeah, so the earliest work that was done was from Larson and White in 1974, uh, and they pretty much found that men with longer hair were perceived as more independent and less conforming, which kind of makes sense with the 70s. Um, and then following up from that, Panzer and Mendel, 1978, found that people perceive men with long hair to be less educated, um, but also that they were more open-minded, younger looking, more outgoing, and more reckless than their mm -hmm. short hair counterparts. Right. Um, and then nothing for two decades until 2002 with Hirschman, who found that men with longer hair were more youthful, feminine, more pleasure-seeking, uh, more outspoken, and immoral. And I was like, oh, <laughs> dangerous. And then a little bit later on in 2011, in a thesis by Connors, um, they found that men with longer hair were perceived as less intelligent and attractive. 
But one of the things I had a question about with the study is that the, because it's a thesis, I got to see their materials. Right. And so the way they designed the study was they had three different models who were okay. Um, they all had short hair and then they had two wigs that were placed on top of them. So they had a right. short hair wig and then oh, a wow. longer hair wig. Wow. And both of those wigs, I swear, were bought at Dollar General. <laughs> they were terrible. Like, they looked bad. Like, they had bangs. And they had, like, red and blonde highlights on brown hair. And I was like, what? You couldn't have, like, gotten a better wig? Like, of course people are going to think they're less intelligent and attractive because they're wearing that stupid wig. <laughs> like, it was very clockable. If, if, I, if I'm a participant, all I'm thinking is, is this just what the person looks like in their day-to-day? -day? Because I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah, no, you pick up that wing and it's like, no, thank you. Um, so overall, I mean, with the past, like, I don't know, 25 years, no, I guess it'd be 45 years of research, not a lot has been done, which I've kind of found surprising. I kind of figured there'd be more um, in like the 60s and 70s and maybe a little bit more right now since there's kind of been a resurgence of dudes with long hair. Mm -hmm. um, because there's been a lot of Facebook groups and like different long hair communities for men, like teaching men how to take care of long hair, um, what kind of products to oh, use. Wow, yeah. Like, just like, I'm going to be honest, when I go to anime conventions and I see dudes with long hair, I'm like, whoa, I'm a professional <laughs> hair care person. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so oh. is it, it's, it's nowadays, it's easier to find some more stuff. Um, for men specifically. Specific for men, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so okay. there's two Facebook groups that are the most popular. They have more than 3,000 members. Um, one of them is Serious Hair Guys. And the other one is called Mannered Mains, which I loved. <laughs> and then there's also a Instagram group called uh, Man Buns and Mains, which has over 8,000 followers right now. And so there is kind of like a new little internet subculture identity group developing of dudes who grow out their hair. Right. Um, which I kind of like <clears throat> thousands of people in these groups is you know, expected, but I kind of figured it'd be a little bit more since we've kind of seen the popularity of, like, man buns rise over the last 10 years. But I guess right mm -hmm. now it's the quarantine head buzz that yeah. is more popular at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and to whether or not that these are all, you know, again, we're talking about out of 300 million, or I guess 150 million Americans for about 50-50, that that how many are growing their hair out mm -hmm. um, and that again if we're still dealing with and this is like some of the stuff that we'll we'll see in kind of our other two hair oriented topics that it may not be so much as younger people deciding to do this but whether or not their bosses are okay with it and right you know, that the, again that they're still seeing you know who are you seeing on television uh, are your parents allowing you to grow your hair out when you're younger? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I haven't got as much negative feedback on my hair as I thought I would when I was growing it out. Because mm -hmm. um, I came from, like, you know, a really conservative household, and they all think I'm a dirty, commie hippie. <laughs> um, but, like, especially when I go to, like... Um, well, I guess in, in classes with students, students love it. I've had people say I have Jason Momoa hair. 
and I'm about that. Um, and then I also get like lots of positive stares at like Renaissance fairs. Ah, like yes. everybody stares at my where head. where it's it's acceptable. Oh yeah, very like I I am peak Renaissance fair with this hair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's either no comment or your hair's really pretty or just open mouth gape, like, take me away, Prince. <laughs> Do you think that changes um, according to how old the people around you are? Well done. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, yeah, because like at home, like it's mostly like older people, like yeah people who grew up in the 60s and the 70s and became right. adults at that time. So they're more negative, but people nowadays don't really care. Yeah, uh -huh, I can see mm -hmm. that happening, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the only negative comment is they're like, you live in Texas, like that hair's gotta be so hot in the summer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm dying right now. <laughs> I just shaved off one of our mutual friend's hair because he grew it out, not quite as long as mine yet, um, but he finally like bit the bullet and I, buzz cutted him and gave him a quarantine haircut because he could not handle the length anymore yeah my, mine's a little long and it's it's getting it's getting to be a little much and the weather's much better here <laughs> so yeah overall long hair on dudes seems like a positive thing you might get some unintelligent unattractive perceptions if it looks like a hideous wig but overall if you're going for a more pleasure-seeking, outgoing, rebellious, anti-authoritarian look, like, it's a pretty good look to go with. Right. Yeah, and it'd be interesting, too, because this, I guess, can can segue into the next of the, the three hair topics, is that whether or not this acceptability may come from the fact that a white guy with long hair <laughs> isn't nearly as... I don't know, maybe off-putting. I mean, you know, our, our our traditional view of Jesus as a white guy with long hair. Uh, right. I have been called Jesus. <laughs> and, I'm sure. And if you compare it with, with you know, the, the reverse, so a woman with really short hair, or if we're talking about a diverging from kind of a norm hairstyle uh, amongst non-white, mm -hmm. non-male, uh, individuals, you know, how would that be be seen? And you know, again, if there, there's there's not a a ton of research on, I, I think, in the same way of like short hair in women, I did come across some on both beardedness and long hair in women, and that long hair in women is typically seen as more positive. Mm -hmm. I will say one of my favorite YouTube genres right now is vlogs of women with long hair shaving off their hair under a buzz cut. Oh, wow. Because yeah. they're super dramatic and like crying and like nervous and scared, like leading up to it. And then they do that first one. They're like, oh, she's like, oh no. And then it's like kid in the playground. And then at the oh, very end, gosh. she's like, this was wonderful. This is the best thing for me. I feel so much better. Why didn't I do this before? Like every time. So they, they decide cut it but then they're still crying is that what you're saying yeah they're still crying at the beginning and then like you just watch their just like it's like watching therapy right. <laughs> <laughs> shaving your head is like the most therapeutic thing i'm utterly convinced of right now for women <laughs> that's hilarious yes huh yeah i don't know i talk about how i'm very attached to the hair idea and mm -hmm. it would be 
it would take a couple of years, I would think, for me to decide to shave my head and be like, oh, it's cool. Because mm -hmm. of the social pressure, right? Because of dealing with those things, I think I'm, and I've always said this, I'm like, like my sister, she's nine years younger than me. So she's a different generation. I feel like her generation is way more uh, free uh, in that sense of getting, uh, well, distancing themselves from those social expectations that uh, still keep me kind of following the, the deal with mm -hmm. the hair. Uh, even though, uh, as I'm going to talk about, I was about I to say changing lately. So, yeah, you're yeah. being a little rebel right now. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't shave my head. Right. <clears throat> and and it's it's not because I I don't think that I'd be okay with it. It's that, and I, I mentioned this to someone talking about the quarantine haircut. It's that after growing up 30 plus years in Southern Louisiana, a lot of that time in the backwoods, um, <laughs> there's a lot of associations with large bearded guys with shaved heads huh. in the backwoods of Louisiana and they're they're the kind of oh, people wow. who march they're the kind of people who march with tiki torches yeah. <laughs> and, oh my goodness and, and again that that no, social I perception that. I, wow I, I I wouldn't want to be seen as a skinhead right and and again there's nothing wrong if you want to shave your head <laughs> and I shouldn't be ashamed of it but I would I would have this almost self kind of perception view that, that is heavily influenced by, you know, those aspects of, uh, right. you know, the communities in which I grew up. In. <laughs> and how you want to be perceived, right? Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So tell us about your rebellious adventure. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk about hair. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess start us off, like, what were you doing beforehand and what are you doing now? Right. So, uh, well, I'm from Brazil and I am right now I'm going natural. Mm -hmm. I have decided that I'm going to let me just, yes, I'm decided that I'm going to stop straightening my hair. That's what this means for mm -hmm. curly girls or girls with kinky and coily hair. Um, and this has been like this huge movement, right? This the, the natural hair movement, and it has been like focusing and encouraging this women to stop putting that very unhealthy uh, straightener, a relaxer in your head. Mm -hmm. You know, I was watching this uh, documentary. It's called "The Good Hair" mm -hmm. from Chris Rock, and um, he goes around the country and talking about hair and seeing because his little girl asked him. Uh, Oh, she came crying from school and said, I don't have good hair. So he went and started asking around what is good hair. But anyways, uh, in the relaxer, the, this this thing that they have in there, they had a uh, Coke cans inside of it. One hour, it just took out the, the paint. So yeah. it's like transparent. And then the, the, the second hour, uh, or like it's almost transparent. The second hour is transparent. And the fourth hour, it's melted. It freaking melted uh coken ah yes and then that's why it's so like whenever people say it's just hair you know why, why is it such a big deal around hair um so this social perception and why why is it that people are complaining but this is very interesting because now that i'm going natural right because um i had the curls but i had to straighten it and this really uh literally burned my head mm -hmm. literally uh, and I, I find out that a lot of people don't know that now that I know, right? I, I mean, if you're from the black community, 
you would know right. because you grew up around it. But besides that, you just really had no idea about it. And just to be specific, uh, straightening straightener is a chemical product. Right, a relaxer. Yeah. Correct. I guess that uh, would be the best. Uh, better. Yeah, because yeah. the straightener, not, not just the heat, right? right? Which goes in combination with that, then you have all the heat damage. But it's important to mention that how without even perceiving it, well, how this is one of society's expectations, you know, mm -hmm. on women that have curly hair and has been for so many years. And that's why uh, in the late, late, I don't know, I would say more than like the last de decades, there is this um, natural hair movement, even though it, it wor wor walks um, slowly mm -hmm. at some points, right? Like, um, for example, it's still, I find it so interesting that it's still uh, the, the the afro or how can it be coily hair or i don't know how in brazil we call it black but it's like with the english word mm. you know like uh, black it's what we call the afro style hair i guess mm. that's how it's called here in america uh and it's not seen as professional right it's really not considered professional but then that's just my hair so it's very interesting how um some a lot of people still do not put those things together you know mm -hmm. it's like what you burn your head no why would you do that i'm like because mm -hmm. if i go to work i can be uh fired for example some there is um the they ruled that companies can and are allowed to ban um dreadlocks for example you know mm. which is one of the hair characteristics and identity of the or i, I want to say black community which i'm brazilian but i'm black and people don't know that mm -hmm. but like there's black latinos and i'm mm -hmm. black there and i'm black here but people don't really uh, think a lot about that because mm -hmm. i'm uh my first language is not english that's another very interesting right. thing right like what you're black no you're latina i'm like no mm. i'm both like I've been, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the movement, you know? <laughs> anyway, so I find those things very interesting how uh, we are, there is this expectation that you uh, have this straight hair uh, without even realizing it because mm -hmm. it's like, no, be who you are. Like uh, uh, self-love and find yourself and accept mm -hmm. yourself. And then you accept yourself and you go to work. And you have mm -hmm. stares and you have people like just kind of like eh, right. making comments such as you should smooth it out a little bit maybe <laughs> you know like this is the, this is real stuff that people have said you know uh, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, kind of building off of Daniel's comment about, like, white dude with long hair can be anti-authoritarian. Right. Um, one of the things in American history with the Black Panther movement, they were very much all about the natural hair, and they all had afros just about. And so afros here specifically are, very, are seen as anti-authoritarian and revolutionary. Right. And it scares old white people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, yes, right? It's so interesting because over there was already a movement of like, it's just my hair, mm -hmm. right? Because there is this, this this expectation of the straight hair. It's a big deal, y'all. Like, it's being part of my life every single day since I was a kid. And I remember this so much. And it's so interesting because there is a movie 
it's called um, oh, something about the hair I forgot but my friend saw this movie one of my best friends since we were like really little and she talked to me like nowadays and I'm 33 now like I'm gonna say less than 10 years ago she said uh, oh amiga I watched that movie and now I understand everything you went through and I remember how because everybody's like wow why do you spend so much time on your hair and I'm like well let me not spend time on my hair and see if you can accept how my real hair, my natural hair is, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why just like going natural, let's put it like that, is a, a, a mini revolution in itself, mm -hmm. you know, because of all of those uh, perceptions of the curly or um, coily hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the prototype essentially is white. Right. No, this is exactly. It's straight. That, that, yeah. Correct, Daniel, right, because that's one of the things that I was going to mention that if you, nobody really thinks about it, but like one-fourth of the products only in like uh, big stores are for actual curly or black hair. Oh, yeah, like it's if, a tiny if, little section. Yeah, though. like a tiny little Everything else is for straight hair. So that's why you have been having like all this growing community of like they call the CGM, like the Curly Girl Method. It's a huge movement on the internet that they have mm -hmm. groups and tips and people crying there because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, look at my the curl of my girl and they post pictures and it's so wonderful. There's like some really pretty stories because people haven't seen this, right? Mm -hmm. They have not, people that have, um, uh, coily or uh, curly hair in a family that people have straight hair, they always being like ashamed uh, and, and um, yeah, the hair was never really accepted, right? So it's mm -hmm. that, let me accept what is coming out of my hair, mm -hmm. of my head, you know? I shouldn't have to chemically alter mm -hmm. what comes out of my head with something that burns me, right? Just so I can uh, fulfill this societal um, pressure for having straight hair, mm -hmm. right? I think that it's very strong on me. So now, right now, at this moment, I'm going through this and it's way more than just hair, right? <laughs> because that's what I was saying. Sometimes, uh, like the, the, the federal court ruled, um, once ruled, it, uh, it's legal for employers to ban dreadlocks, right? So like, for example, what I'm doing is I have um, braids right now, long braids. They are half black, half white. And uh, I decided that I'm going to play with my hair. I decided that I'm going to change colors with the long braids. And I decided that I'm going to accept this. And it's so interesting because I never thought I was going to braid my hair. I did when I was a kid. And I never thought that I, was, I just thought I was going to continue to follow that um, path of uh, conforming mm -hmm. uh, until... I had one conversation with friends and obviously because of everything that has happened lately and like, of course there is COVID, right? Because everybody's kind of more at home, having more time to reflect. Not that, mm -hmm. yeah, we are too a little bit more at home because even us, they're always studying. Right. We would go like to the lab or be, you know, have and, other things to be busy. Exactly about, correct. So all those things have really like influenced me and changed me. So now I have this long um, braids and I'm going to continue to play with braids. Uh, but it's so interesting because I already seen some people kind of like the white uh, <laughs> high level leaders, for example, they're kind of like, whoa, like she oh. was eye catching. Yes. The one that I got. <laughs> yes, she was eye catching. <laughs> that was the, the yeah, that adjective used to describe <laughs> my braids today. 
uh, in a meeting on the computer, right? Um, <sighs> those things are, and I mean, it's not a bad thing, right? Some people might think, so what? Eye catching is great, right? But it's, it's not the same. It's, yeah. it's a hesitant eye catching kind of yeah, like, i was when he opened his mouth i was very worried <laughs> it's kind of like a borderline or i mean maybe not a borderline in this case microaggression you know, this this yeah. idea of you know the person saying it may not realize but again based on their perception of what they see as normal or you have deviated from the norm natalia correct and that's what i'm doing i'm a <laughs> rebel now <laughs> just and that's the thing and, and that's how whenever people say oh but it's just hair what's the big deal and it's not see it's like the perception that daniel was talking about that if he shaves his head he's going to be perceived as something else uh than what he actually is and it's the same thing with the black hair, right? And I'm like super professional for people that like don't know me. I'm, I love the professional settings and the leadership settings and all those things. And, and that word, in that word, mainly because you have even less black women, mm -hmm. uh, it's obviously not celebrated or understood this hair, right? It's, it's another thing. eye catching. It's <laughs> eye catching though. And I don't mind being eye catching, don't get me wrong. I've got like a, you're so eccentric. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, but then, for example, another thing that I think about is I have to go for half an hour from here to go get uh, hair products for me. If I really want to get specific hair products, I cannot just go to Walmart and buy it and buy. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, very interesting to see those things and think about them and how they're so subtle subtle they're so subtle that like you don't think about it nobody mm -hmm. does right like even like something as like uh swimming classes something as simple as swimming classes black girls either they won't go because the hair the hair and then there is this thing about that you have to have straightener and then you relax it right chemically alter it and then you straighten it with the uh, hot comb whatever yeah. you call it right and and then you can get wet that's one of the things that I hated the rain. I hated rain. My whole life I hated rain because my hair had to be like completely straight as straight as possible. And that's why I never grew. Mm -hmm. I never like had hair cuts because I mean it's like breaking. A, yeah, like chemical know? would cause it to break. Correct, yeah. right. So, anyways, I think that it's important that uh, I think I'm, I'm glad that I'm having the chance to discuss those things. And this is one of the things that I hope that one day uh, by and that's what I consider myself. I consider myself one of those people that are going to contribute to this change because I am where I am and doing what I'm doing, right? And bringing in this, um, I guess, African-rooted uh, um, hairdos, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, um, to the mainstream or to those positions, right, that people usually are not used to it. Right, right. Yeah. The, it's that representation you're i think so yes yeah. and it's so interesting because it's not even like i'm like i want this to be a revolution i don't necessarily you know it's just me chilling mm -hmm. you know what i mean but it's seeing even like because it is a revolution yeah. because it's against the norms right um i find it very very interesting how a lot of people are so not aware of this whole behind the scenes of the coily and uh, kinky hair 
uh, community. I think I watched that Chris Rock documentary a long time ago, mm -hmm. and I think that's what originally cued me in. Right. Um, and then also, when I was growing out my hair, I did go to those curly hair groups because right. I was like, who knows about how to take care of yeah. curly hair? Yeah. Black women do. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to go get my tips from them. That is true. That is so true. And, and it's like uh, I have this... Um, and braids, long braids, guys, and I've never worn these, and it's like jumbo braids for my, my black girls that understand the sizes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I did it myself, but I knew I was gonna be able to do it because I've been doing hair for 33 years. I mean, no, just kidding, because I'm 33, so you know. Yeah, like whenever I be able, yeah. yes, yes, 30 years, I would say. So I'm doing hair for 30 years. I have, I'm expert. I have more than 10,000 hours of deliberate press. <laughs> 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 yes, then they, uh, I think that is good for Daniel to go now, right? Oh, I mean, if Daniel has some questions. Or yeah, do you guys I, have anything to add there, right? Yeah. Yes, Daniel, actually, I would like to know your opinion. What do you think? Have you heard about it? And if you did, is it just because you're in the academic world? Or how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, if it probably, if, if it wasn't for, I think, just my own you know, awareness of some of these subcultures and, right. and groups. Yeah, because I probably wouldn't have. Right? So it's it one was, of the things that we pay attention to, those differentiations, right? Yeah, it was definitely not something I grew up with that I had any experience with. But, like, it, it makes me think of all of the stereotypes that come with, you know, oh, you know, my wife's taking so much time in the bathroom doing right. this. I'm like, well, it's because it's expected. Yes. They wouldn't, you know, you, know you, you wouldn't do it if there wasn't some potential repercussion because... That's you know, very correct. And then if, 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 that's what I'm saying, that people don't put those two things together, right? Like the expectation and then also the expectation that we don't do anything because you should love yourself how you are. But then if I go out how I am, <laughs> you are staring at me and making comments too. So it's like I'm, I'm here held in the middle, uh, having to choose one side, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, and I would think for like people who, who may not still be able to kind of wrap their brain around it, um, right. that, that even things like wearing makeup or, you know, I think there's a difference in like we'll, we'll get into beardedness. There's a big difference too in a trimmed beard versus kind of a wild beard. You know, right. do I want to, do I want to be Z the next ZZ top or do right. I want, you know, you know, occasionally it gets a little long and I'm like, ah, I'm going to shave it down a little bit. Yeah. Or, or uh, like this too for the makeup, for example, it's like wearing heels. Some companies literally, they still have in their rules that girls or women have to wear heels. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is something that baffles me because that hurts. Can't wear pants. Yes. Have what? to wear a dress or a skirt. Like it's, yeah. I, 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 it baffles me that nowadays we still have people that have the nerve to tell other people that level of detail how they have to live. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, what? You're making me wear something that hurts. It's not just like a social rule, like that it's not damaging. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like really, it's absurd for me. Mm -hmm. I know that it sounds like it's not just hair. That's the point, right? right. 
I did have a question. If you could elaborate a little bit more, uh, you said earlier that the curly hair movement is across borders mm -hmm. and just kind of, I know we've talked a little bit about right. like the experiences of having Definitely. curly hair in America right. versus Brazil Correct. and how racism tends to rear its head in different ways. If you could explain, expand on that. Yes, definitely. I love this because, um, it's interesting because now, like I have mentioned a little bit, that here in America, a lot of people don't consider me black just because I'm light-skinned, like I'm, I'm black, but I'm light-skinned black and I'm Latina and I have an accent, right? So some, most people are not just gonna assume I'm black. Even black people say, no, you're not. Let me, let me touch your roots. And like, I've, I've had that, right? To prove that I am black because I have the black hair or something, I, I did. I passed mm -hmm. the test. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say my sister, my sister already wears her Afro hair, black, whatever, how you call it, um, for like five years now. And um, this hair movement is very strong in Brazil because we are so mixed. As a culture, there's so mixed, we have a lot of curly hair because most people have that influence somewhere mm -hmm. in their lineage. Well, let's put it like that, right? As opposed uh, to segregated America. As opposed to segregation here. It's so interesting. I was talking to my brother yesterday and I was telling him about those things because you know what's something that's so interesting that I heard and I saw this and I found on Instagram lately. It's like the Afro-Latino movement. But then you have some posts talking about how some black Pure blacks, quotation marks, you know, how they are, I guess they are pure. I don't know what they're saying. They're talking about how, oh, you're not part of the movement. Of course, it's not everybody, but you have those radical ones that they're saying, you're not black, like you're not part of the movement. And I'm like, wow, there was slavery everywhere. So yes, there is uh, black people in other places too. But again, um, in Brazil, people are more um, mixed mm -hmm. and I was really shocked about how like some people want to just exclude the black Latinos and I'm like you're black like what are you talking about mm -hmm. that doesn't even make a lot of sense in my head it, it yeah. might be something to come back to when we we get into talking about things like prejudice that you know, I mean especially if you're part of a group that has been segregated to an extent for so yeah. long it yes, it, it, so it may be very I'm difficult to say like these yeah these people are also kind of in with us but it might be hard to, to kind of, you know, at least for, for some people to bring other people in because for so long you've been forced to be on your own. Right, correct. And that's the interesting part, right? Uh, in Brazil, we are way more um, desegregated, but still there is the stereotypes. There's still the, you know, the, the, the financial, social financial situation is still different, you know, by the, the darker you get, the probability of you being poor is higher. Uh, but... As I was saying, this, this movement of the, the going natural is huge in Brazil too, because of this, like I'm saying, we all mix, we all, most of us have some curls or some waves or some type of kinky and coil. And it's very similar in the sense of work, um, professionalism, like for example, it's so interesting, it comes so natural. My sister made a comment because she, like I said, she has this long um, Afro style hair. And she said, I'm going to take advantage that we are in quarantine so I can wear braids. Obviously, obviously she didn't say this pause, right? But I'm just like, so you can understand how, how charged this uh, comment is, mm -hmm. right? I'm just, because I'm at home, I'm going to wear braids. So that's how it shows how it's not well accepted because just naturally she avoids doing that whenever life is normal or... Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I think that, for example, I grew up with being bullied because of my hair, for sure. You know, my mom uh, straightened my hair when I was six, the first time. So it's not like I even have seen my hair or know how my hair looks because your hair changes anyways, mm -hmm. right? After you grow. So this is one of the other things of the hair movement just here in home. It's that we don't know our hair and it's like a, a, we get to know our real hair or texture. It's something about like you knowing the hair and the hair coming to you type of mm -hmm. feeling. Like you finally know your hair because you never know because you straighten it for so long. And I think that it's very similar, Thomas, to answer your question, very similar in the sense of the pressure. However, we have way more shades mm -hmm. and types of mixtures of hairs, uh, which is different here. For example, I was talking about that to my brother. Here, whenever you see like a mix person, like mix is kind of like a race, like mix, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting because back home, you can't even really say that. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have parents that, you know, are a multi-race and all those things, but like, it's not, it's not a thing that you say mix and you can't really spot it so easily like here, because here it's usually like very white or very black couple. And then it's, the kid is like coffee and milk, right? right? It's <laughs> like a mix. Like you straight up see the kid, it's me. And I think they're the well, but that it, yeah, and, and we still kind of do that. Uh, you know, President Obama is our first black president, right? Who has a white mother, and yeah. that, but that again kind of gets into this, you know, intersectionality between like identity and right, ethnic correct. background. Um, I think we're going to be starting to see that a lot now with um, uh, uh, some of the discussions that are being had with Camilla Harris. Um, <clears throat> who who is lighter skin, uh, yeah. and and thus is already creating this you know sort of discussion and talking points about you know how how how, how white do we consider her versus yes where is the threshold right uh -huh. <laughs> yeah then I, I I what I can to conclude also like one of the things that I can say is that I did grow up with that pressure. And I, I'm telling you, like nowadays, thankfully, thankful to this movement, we can talk about this so openly because this was not something that was even like allowed in the social environment as one topic, right? And I, I say this, like I never talked about those things and now I cannot talk about anything else. <laughs> it's just like this awakening on me and this whole accepting myself, it's very interesting, mm -hmm. yeah regardless of what the perception is going to be in the outside. So I'm at the point right now that I'm like, you don't like this. I don't want to be here. Thank you very much. I'm about to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in a way it kind of transitions a little bit because a lot of the research that looks at beardedness kind of looks at not just how other people perceive you, but also how you perceive yourself with that and 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 how again like choices that we make in terms of long hair or um different hairstyles or facial hair whatever it may be change our behavior it's possible i mean when we think about sense of self and self schema and how conformity which is our next chapter how we conform to certain pressures based on whether or not we might meet certain prototypes ourselves but also 
you know, how we think about ourselves kind of ties into that with the world. I mean, I think about my own understanding of something like masculinity. I'm, 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 I'm a very bearded masculine guy, but right. my, my perception of masculinity is very different uh, right. than maybe someone else's. But seeing me with a beard, they're going to code me as more masculine. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I haven't seen my chin since high school. Uh, um, that even when I've shaved, this has never come off completely. Um, but, but it was also, you know, again, kind of a decision of, you know, can I, and, and I've had jobs and it, it's been far more accepting for me to have a beard than I, I, I think it has been any other thing that we've talked about. Yes. Um, but there are, there, there are jobs that are very restricting with that. And there right. are... Beard too? Beard too, you think? Yes, uh, I learned a little bit. Um, you could not have a beard if you worked at Disney World until 2012. Wow. And the reason they gave in pre-2000, so in, in, in the year 2000, you could have a mustache, a well-trimmed mustache. No beard, no goatee. You could not work oh, at Disney okay. World. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the reason they gave when asked about it is this says that, that feedback they had gotten from parents and that they wanted to set a positive role model for children. Oh, and just, oh like, that is why. <laughs> again, think about, like, I, just you think about the question and it goes back to kind of what we're talking about, the, these kind of aggression and villains have beards and things like that, that, uh, that we, we have these kind of per perceptions of what someone who is bearded is like. And, but yeah, in 2012, they allowed it. They, they said, all right, you can have a, a well-manicured beard. Like it, it has to be, like, it can't just be wild. And it has to be a, a full, like if you cannot grow, you know, if your beard's a little patchy, mm -hmm. you just need a shave. No, um, no Corona, no Corona beard. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to have a beard beard. Um, I, I did learn that there are still some restrictions. Uh, the Universal Studios and Walt Disney World, uh, uh, at least I'm assuming, I, I was reading the Universal Studios one, uh, no extreme sideburns. Whoa. And so, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. like having them all the way, like mutton chops, where they're all yes, the way down to your, down your, your chin. Up, to your chin, yes. I, I came really close to doing that one year, just, just to see what would happen. Yes, <laughs> no? The elves? Oh, yeah, like in Disney World. <laughs> oh, the dwarves? Yeah, dwarves. <laughs> See, that's but the they're all that, in costume. Right. I think the thing that I find wild about beards is that they are so uh, situated in time. Huh. Because, right. like, you go back, like, maybe even a hundred years, and, like, it was expected to have a beard. Right. Like you wouldn't, That's a very good point. I can like, see that. You had to have one. You had to, right. If you couldn't have the beard, you had to do the mutton chops. If you uh, couldn't do that, you had to have the mustache. mustache. That's true. When you think about like, you know, old school pictures and images in my mind, yeah. they always have a, yeah. You know, it's so interesting to my brother. He, he gets a ruler to do his uh, beard. Like he, and there is another thing for another podcast about this pressure of uh, beauty in Brazil. Uh, that it's very strong, right? Very strong. That's why people are like, oh, all Brazilians are pretty. I mean, imagine with the pressure that goes with that, behind that, right? But anyway, so he gets a, a ruler 
and he measures this and does it like super perfect. And he said that once he thought about doing the laser out when he was younger, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm so glad I didn't do this, like remove the hair permanently. Oh, yeah. Yes. What about that? And he said, I'm so glad I did it because now he had like this full beard. And another thing that I wanted to bring up and maybe Daniel to know from you, if you have read about that too, because you know how there's some people that cannot grow beards. Yeah. Like they literally like, there is a lot of people that just have like a clean baby face, I guess. Right. I, uh, I, I've had some friends over the years who could not grow facial hair to save their lives. And right. those, and then some who, who could, but it was never like a full beard. It was, yeah. it was a little, yeah, maybe a little patchier or, um, yeah. And, and it's interesting because it is a relatively, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say relatively new thing, like that, that we're, we're kind of maybe talking about beardedness, yeah. but, but yeah, it is, it is definitely cultural. It changes uh, different cultures have very different views of it. Uh, some cultures view it very differently than others, and it changes over time, especially if we're talking about Western culture. It, it changes pretty drastically over the t- over time. You know, in the 60s and 70s, with the hippie movement, we, we see drastic social differences. Um, and, and then that kind of goes away that the, the after the 60s and the 70s, there was kind of a push of non-beardedness. It's kind of back into the fold. I, I think we're I don't want to speculate too much, but I think we're getting into a point where maybe, I mean, especially if we're looking at like millennials, Zoomers and, and whatnot, that they don't care as much right. about it. If you want to, great. If you don't, great. You know, whatever. Just there's more important things to worry about. Uh, and and that might be what we're seeing, but it'd be interesting to tell in the next 20 years. But But also that's tied to like the people around us. If you grew up with your your father's always clean shaven. You might not view a beard as something that's, you know, for you. In um, right. the same way that the hair, you know, your 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 mom straightening your hair at age six. This yeah. is just this is how I'm supposed to look. Um, sometimes you don't even question, right? I think right, right. Go with the flow, and you're not even questioning. Yes, and I think that that's a moment for me of a lot of questioning. Yeah. So there, there's, from the evolutionary perspective, and there's this article, this kind of cultural focus on beards, um, there was this quote that I came across, and it's, it's the most like biological description of beards I've ever seen. The beard is a strikingly sexual dimorphic, androgen-dependent, secondary sexual trait in humans. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That it's it's in part dependent on androgen, you know, the the kind of male component or uh, you know flip of of estrogen. Uh, it's tied. I, I would say it's tied in part to testosterone, but we also know that like having too much testosterone can lead to hair loss. Right. So, and there's a lot of the research that looks at beards that also looks at baldness as it's as perception. Testosterone, like mm. overdose thing. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so most of the research tends to focus on uh, this, this Dixon and Vasey, this 2012 article is one of the more recent ones. And what they found is, is that they looked at both European descendant New Zealanders and Polynesians from Samoa and found both groups tended to view individuals with beards as being more related to uh, age-related, uh, so being older, 
being perceived as older. Uh, these studies were really interesting. They, they would take the same person, they would take a picture of them with a beard and have them shave and then take the same picture. And so when viewing the same person, making different facial expressions with and without the beard, uh, they were rated as being older. There was, they were rated as having higher social status, which again, I think is due to age. So you're older, you can make more money because you're, you know, you've made it through college or you've right. succeeded. Uh, and then um, it's also been associated with aggression. So same person making an angry face, whether they're bearded or not, comes off as more aggressive. But it had no association with attraction. Hmm. No association with attraction. And, and that's a pretty common theme across all the research. Well, Because they're viewing the same face with and without a beard. And right. so if you find someone attractive, you're probably going to find them attractive with a beard. Yeah. Interesting. In the same way. Well, you always hear that, like, there's beard people or non-beard people. And maybe it has something else to do with it. You know, I've talked to my wife who said that she never thought she would ever date someone with facial hair. And we'll be married 11 years this year. So, (laughs) but also there's, like, other research that suggests things like, you know, positive relationships have maybe almost nothing to do with physical attraction, but the relationship that you build. <laughs> and in that case, your beard doesn't matter. Right, correct. This is so interesting. I would think <clears throat> that whenever those studies are done, it's like, yes, people like um, beard more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, I love a clean face too, so mm-hmm. why not? Why would I think that people don't? And you're right, Daniel. I can see how I would think like, yeah, if you're handsome, you're handsome if you're, yeah, I would think so. And it makes me think too, especially with things like aggression and age. Uh, I I used to notice that when I would shave down, either shave down to a goatee versus a full beard, uh, when I worked retail, I would have much less uh, or much more um, engaging encounters with customers, especially angry customers than if I had a full beard. They were far less likely to basically give me hell uh, really? because, I, I, because I looked older. My age was far less likely to be challenged. Uh, I had gotten the how old are you a couple of times. So and, Daniel, mm-hmm. do you consider yourself a baby face person? Like one of those people that are gonna grow old with a baby face without the beard? I don't know. I haven't seen myself <laughs> without a beard in <laughs> almost 20 years. It's so interesting. Yeah. And so, then one day you decided you're like, yeah, I want a beard, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I was in I was in ROTC in high school, and um, I wasn't allowed to grow a beard because mm-hmm. military regulations even apply to junior ROTC. Um, and the reason for that is is that you can't actually affix a, affix a gas mask if you have a beard, and that's why the military really? doesn't allow beards. Yeah, yeah I, I learned that as part of that questioning, like look, if I can grow a mustache, why can't I grow a beard? They were like, because the regulations say you can't because a gas mask will not seal around your face. That makes Hmm. sense. Even though you're in JROTC and will never wear a gas mask. Right. (laughs) But that's where it comes from. Yes, that's where it comes from. Um, And so in that case, and and again, that might even change some of the perceptions. We're talking about men in uniform, very prominent individuals. We, We talk about politicians rarely i mean only recently are we starting to see politicians with beards and facial hair um that it's it's not when ted cruz grew one yes and you know 
more power to him from you know bucking the system agree or disagree with ted cruz yeah because also like there is this you have to shave your your face like every single every day yes every day like dirty and not careless and careless Careless, yeah. yeah and and to be completely honest part of my rationale for growing a beard was that razors are expensive Yes. And 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 being a poor student and growing up having to fend for you know fend for myself in, in undergrad and as a grad student, it was just it, it's much less expensive just to you know shave kind of the underside of my neck uh, mm-hmm. than than to keep my face clean shaven all the time. Very. And yeah, and and this goes further. I mean, it ties into research in um, clinic. I mean, uh, not clinical. Uh, uh, the justice system where attorneys were advised and this 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 goes back to like the late 80s early 90s uh reported the, the these, these bailey and rothblatt uh, reported that in this this book on how to advise your client that the to shave before a trial and there was no empirical research at this time to show that that was effective but we do have empirical research to show social perception around whether or not you're male or female going in front of a judge, whether or not you're wearing street clothes versus a suit versus prison jumper, um, or even if you're wearing glasses. So if you're ever going in front of a judge, wear glasses. <laughs> because you are, you are perceived as meeker, uh, more sensitive, more emotional, kinder, and, and, and a more good person when you wear glasses. Wow. Do you uh, remember Jodi Arias, who uh, killed her Mormon boyfriend in the shower? No. I think it was in Las Vegas. No, she's like blonde, bombshell <clears throat> Vegas woman. She gets arrested for stabbing her boyfriend in the shower. She shows up in court with brown hair and glasses. Oh, wow. I <laughs> she looked like a librarian. Right. <laughs> I was I like, whoa. The, uh, the Harvey Weinstein trial was a good example of that because he would show up to court with his walk. There's video. People caught him walking around on his own, but when he would go into court, he'd be in a, he'd, he'd have a walker. Yeah, I saw that. You know, per- perception of him being older, being more um, fragile. Uh, fragile. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the same thing. Glasses can tie into that. Uh, right. but yeah, that there are ways that you can change your, which is also, you know, we, we look at this socially. I mean, if we want to go with the court case, that someone who can post bail, who has the money to post bail, gets to go to their court case not wearing a prison jumpsuit. They get to go to their court case wearing right. a suit and tie. And that it's suit and tie bad. can not only mean the guilty or non-guilty verdict, but can also just mean that if they are found guilty, their sentence is less. And there is empirical data to support that. Wow. Makes no sense though, right? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> now, beyond this, like with, with beards, there's not a whole lot else. Uh, there, there's a lot in terms of viewing it as uh, higher masculinity or higher like masculine traits, aggressiveness, dominance, strength are associated with beardedness. Um, and, and again, we can tie that into things like media and, and various you know, heroic archi- or, you know, archetypes are typically perceived as being bearded, being wise, typically comes, you know, wizards and deities all have, you know, a lot of them have beards, mm-hmm. they're male at least. 
beyond this, though, uh, the other real interesting line of research, and, and I decided to, to kind of hone in on this because I, I thought this would maybe be the most interesting for you, Natalia, with, with your MBA background, mm -hmm. is that there's a lot involved in hiring practices, personnel, and, and business when it comes to beardedness. Yes, I am sure, for sure. Because I think they're just like the hair, right? It's one of those ex the expectations of the look. And yeah. go with whatever we're talking about already, and, and do you look careless? Do you look uh, put together? Do you look responsible? Do you look like somebody that's going to um, dedicate yourself because you're not dedicating to your beer, I guess, right? Yeah, well, what? What did the study find? Yeah, what, what was it? Yeah, so there are a lot. And most of them tend to find that beardedness, and, and I'm guessing this is, this is like a standard beard. So not something that like, I'm not going ZZ top. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not growing out this, this really long kind of wizard beard. I have a trimmed beard versus no beard, being clean shaven. Uh, they found that facial hair was, was typically associated with things like expertise and competency, um, but not aspects of or jobs that were associated with like attraction so there was this one study that found that photos uh, on LinkedIn accounts made people more likely to associate expertise with like an architect position but not with like a cashier position or uh, a teller or a customer service position there were just no differences between the bearded and non-bearded individuals it, it didn't help but it didn't hinder and, and it also made me wonder with that one in particular, whether or not the beardedness may be helped because of something like architecture may be seen as a more traditionally masculine job. Mm. So are we saying that it's more accepted in the architecture world or less accepted? It was viewed as, as being more associated with expertise. Oh, so so they, they had a... Okay, mm -hmm. then, then yeah. indeed in other areas which didn't make it again, okay. I, I yeah, and the other ones just, it wasn't that it, it, it hurt, it just, it didn't help or did or hurt at all. Uh, there was a Brazilian study that was done in 2004 that, that had undergraduate students view beardedness and they, they viewed beardedness associated with age, responsibility, and leftist political ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> that and then it... So interesting how it varies so much. And then in study two, they actually went to personnel managers and had them rate people, and they found that the personnel managers disliked the beards predominantly because they wanted more. They were the, the more conservative business owners wanted conformists. They didn't want nonconformists. Correct. So that's why it might be that my comment came from the. The negative side mm -hmm. would be that, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I remember when I had first when I when I had first started teaching, I was I was adjuncting and I was teaching at the same time that I was working weekends. So I I'd teach four days a week, and then I'd work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Lowe's, the hardware store. And I remember one of my coworkers when I had mentioned, you know, like I was teaching, asked if if I was kind of one of those hippie liberal professors. <laughs> <laughs> Because at the time, like now, my hair is getting longer, uh, was, was getting pretty long. It was at least shoulder length at the time. I had a, a full beard. My hair's getting, it's, it's getting there. Um, that, that I had a full beard. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not a hippie. My hair's getting a little long. I'm not a professor because I'm an adjunct. I don't have, I don't have, I'm, I'm not tenure track yet. And I'm, I was like, at the time, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, 
I, I see myself as a, you know, I was a registered independent at the time. And I was like, so technically I'm not, but there's that, again, that association that like it, it's, and there, there were some professors at the university that I was teaching at that. Yeah. They, they fit that bill. They had really, they, they look like wizards. They had really long beards. They had long white hair. Um, and, and they kind of fit that stereotype that, that, that may have come off. And there is some research that has looked at, at perceptions in college professors. The, there was one, a really early one in 1976, uh, Klapperot, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, he was a German researcher, found that uh, between shaved and, and unshaved, the only thing that really changed was perception of self-control, that students felt that their professors had less self-control when they had a beard. Hmm. and that could be a cultural thing i mean but we're also talking about like 1970s germany right. as opposed to the united states mm-hmm. and and there's 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 a number of other studies that that look at this you know uh, the criminal justice a study that found that when asked to rate a picture so they drop some pictures on the floor and you'd have to say all right which one of these got mixed up. Which one do you think is the person who's going on trial as an accused rapist versus the person who's the victim of a neck injury? And they were 78% identified the bearded person as the accused perpetrator as opposed to the victim. Um, in, 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 in a study too on that, 82% of sketches when asked to draw or sketch a criminal offender had that person with a beard. And, and so that aggressiveness that, that, you know, again, going back to what, what we were talking about at the beginning with some of those uh, involuntary celibacy boards where that view and, and you know, I, I remember doing, and I'm, we're still working on it, putting together this sexism survey. And I went to all of these subreddits and some of the boards on 4chan and things like that to get sexist comments from, you know, these different groups. And I remember going to the subreddit for the men's rights activists and starting to read through some of the comments and going, oh, they're, they're talking about perceptions of aggression. They're talking about judges less willing to give men um, custody rights because of the social perceptions of men as caregivers and emotional. And there's some research on beardedness that, that, that finds that people with beards are less likely to be seen as emotionally respond. Like they're tying into those masculine stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this kind of seems, you know, like stuff that you'd be hard pressed to find someone who wants to fight for equality to kind of disagree with. And then I got to some of the comments a little further down and I was like, oh, they're there. That like, some of the the people are kind of going further so they're they're going further from arguing you know we're viewed aggressively and i mean there's research that shows men are more likely to be you know convicted and, and, and things like that of certain crimes and beards may not help you in the court of law when it comes to perceptions of being a criminal offender but taking that again taking that social perception a step further and then saying well that's these other people are terrible um, or, you know. And it's interesting how varied the, the opinions are then or the results because mm. you talked like from what I hear like a lot of, a lot of sides it's like it's the positive so- side and a lot of things are just the <clears throat> negative views so mm. that's really interesting I can, I can see how like liberals or how people there are more I don't know how can I say this um, 
I guess the younger people too, like we're saying that they have less of those, uh, they are less influenced or yeah, by this social pressures mm -hmm. nowadays. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about philosophical liberalism and conservatism, it's do you stick with the status quo or do you change? Right. And, and someone who has more kind of philosophical left views or liberal views might be more willing to kind of buck the system. Wait a second, you're saying, I, like, why can't you have a beard? Everyone should be able to have whatever facial hair or hairstyle they want. That doesn't change the person. It's almost a very, like, libertarian viewpoint. Right, that's, right. That's, that's where I was going with, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can see that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, did you find anything on mustaches? Yeah, the there was a lot of research that looked at uh, degrees of beardedness. So it would go from mustache to goatee. So clean shaven to mustache to goatee to beardedness. In a lot of cases, the, the sort of degrees, and, and some of these are older studies, um, that the things like degrees of, of beardedness, in a lot of cases, it, it didn't have a whole lot of effect on things like attraction or in some cases, um, evaluations of applications. Uh, but a lot of those too are also done on undergraduate students in like the early 2000s. Um, and that uh, there was a study that found that like bearded versus non-bearded applicants were rated similarly, uh, but there were subtle differences in like, who would you pick as a manager? Because mm -hmm. um, I ask because like, they're just intuitively like if i'm just like falling back on cultural conditioning i feel like different kinds of mustaches signify different kinds of people more so than like beard and not beard because uh, like you have your like 1970s porn star stash you have your hitler mustache your handlebar mustache the what the handlebar mustache the, the, handlebar the, the, mustache. Yeah, the cowboy mustache you got your like cowboy long mustache where it's like the goatee but oh. you just shave off the chin. Right, right. And so those kind of like evoke different archetypes. You have like the pedo mustache, which is just like a tiny little line across. Oh gosh. What is it called? Pedo mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure anyone with one of those mustaches listening probably doesn't appreciate me calling it that. No. But I but, feel but, like that there's a little bit more than just like my own personal like like I don't feel like I created these biases on right, my own. Right, correct. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them go back to what we've been talking about. So like when you portray someone in a particular media format or in, in a movie or on a television right. show, you know, how do you make them look? And when they make them have, you know, that little mustache or you know, that that uh kind of the famous like the Snidely whiplash mustache with the long yeah. curled uh, which is very different than that kind of styled hipster you know wispy curled mustache uh, but how people view that and, and this kind of again goes back to what we've, we've talked about in previous chapters you know a lot of this has to do with the schemas that we form the media that we consume uh, how our parents react to those things you know or, or for some people what kind of mustache can you grow can you grow a mustache that you can do something with versus you know that might be a little thinner or uh, you know or whatnot and um you know that even applies to because a lot of this research looks very generally especially in like the workforce there are so many different types 
I wonder that that might be why we don't see a lot of research that looks at a lot of these different nuances and degrees of separation between them, because it would be a huge study. You'd, you'd have to find all of these different people with all these different types of, of mustaches and beards and see, you know, try to keep it normalized, standardized, controlled across all. With computer technology, that's pretty easy right now. Right. And I mean, this, this is maybe the next study we need to do. <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds like we're planning a study on uh, different kinds of mustaches, beards, and hair length. And, and there might be something there. Um, some of the more recent studies are using a lot of uh, computer technology. There's uh, one on, they did kind of look at, not necessarily beardedness, but the shape of faces. Uh, they looked at what's called the baby face overgeneralization effect. And so there was this 1983-1984 uh, study that used police sketches, and they, then they altered them. So they gave the the sketches like bigger eyes, rounder faces, more baby-like qualities mm -hmm. to make them look more infantile and found that people perceived the more baby-like faces as more childlike and thus perceived them as being more like children. So less, less honest in certain situations, um, more truthful in others, uh, more innocent, more carefree, um, and, and then they would, you know, use like the regular face or an aged up face and, and you would see kind of the reverse of that, that, that you would start seeing differences based on how, um, young you looked essentially. And, and we, we see that in a lot of cases that people who look younger than they are, uh, are, are often stereotyped as not being as serious or as, as not being as... Yeah, I see a lot of that on academic Twitter is, is that there are a lot of younger uh, professors, uh, people coming into the field who are, who are younger, who are in their, their 20s, especially women who are shorter or you know, younger looking and they're not taken as seriously. They have to fight back more you know, mm -hmm. against arrogant students or other faculty, uh, administration, whatever it may be, because they're not taken as seriously because of their appearance. Mm -hmm. I feel like our advisor plays into that a little bit too much. Right. <laughs> he goes into classrooms because he's kind of got a little bit of a baby face and he looks like a student. Yeah. And so he goes in on the first day and sits in the like auditorium seating with the students and then just makes them sit there in silence after class has already started. <laughs> Before someone asks him if the professor's going to be there, and then he's like, oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could get away with that. I mean, maybe maybe nowadays, like once we eventually get back to some kind of normal, um, yeah, I, I think t-shirt and jeans is going to be my new style. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm letting COVID change our uh, dress code. <laughs> yeah, change, change the perceptions. I mean, I, I had my advisor when I was working my master's degree, you know, again, ties into social perception he was he was a shorts and a t-shirt kind of guy but we're also in southern louisiana so shorts and a t-shirt is kind of half how you need to teach in 100 degree 100 percent humidity weather mm -hmm. yeah. cool well do we have any uh closing thoughts yeah the, the, there was one article and uh, i'm trying to find because i've got it split up into two parts uh it looked at it looked at glasses 
baldness and beard combination. So like all different combinations of wearing glasses with a beard and bald versus hair, glasses, uh, no beard. And looked at a lot of things. Um, this was a Hellstrom and Tekel. Uh, this is from 94. They found that things like glasses were associated with intellectualism and goodness, uh, baldness tied to idealism. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the rationale was off the top of my head. Uh, and then beards with unconvention, uh, unconventional, uh, unconventionality, uh, and and also goodness as well. That that it was seen as a more positive trait. Again, that maybe it's a Santa Claus thing. Like you have to. <laughs> it sounds like a Santa Claus thing. <laughs> but but also like that that could be a whole. I mean, a whole another side side point is to talk about things like the color of your your hair or your beard dyeing your hair or your beard oh, wow. right. be a whole nother whole nother topic oh. but but he ended by by basically and this this quote kind of stuck with me the whole ending paragraph was 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 great but it basically said few people consider that they are making judgments about others and fewer still realize that they may be wrong about others much of the time yes. and that was from cook 1971 and, and basically cook stated that the subject's face at rest conveys a variety of information mostly rather superficial and also makes me think of uh particular resting face types oh yeah uh and that the face does convey one essential piece of information the identity of a person and that in reality everything else is is a byproduct of at first at rest without any additional information everything else that we we assume about a person is the byproduct of our, our own thoughts and environment right so that that first milliseconds that we were talking about mm -hmm. uh, fi 500 milliseconds to judge someone for the first time more about you than them <clears throat> yeah and it really does uh there's uh another bias to, to end the podcast on is uh there's oh and i'm gonna forget the exact name of it now uh, it's 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 associated with making more self-assumptions about others so in the absence of any information we tend to assume people are more like us mm -hmm. and and i will find the name and that will be the bias for the next podcast <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so just to just to think about how how social perception influences us in a number of ways i mean this was just a little bit on hair we could we could have gone on on hair color skin color I mean, a lot of the same research in, in the criminal justice system also finds that just the shade of your skin has a huge effect on, on how much you're prototyped into that. And, and so there's, there's a whole, whole nother you know, giant list of things that we can go to. But I, I think, you know, we're again, we're probably pushing well over an hour and a half now. So, so, so with that, this is a good concluding point. Thank you again, Natalia, for joining us. Thank you. I'm so, much so fun. happy to be here, and I'll, I'll be happy to come back, and this was so enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll find another uh, good, good topic to get your input on, especially when we were talking to ourselves that, you know, two white guys should not be talking about it. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> Put me, count me in. <laughs> yeah, so... So with that, uh, we wish everyone adieu and uh, goodbye. See ya. Bye-bye.